Hi, everybody. My name is Mike Manning. And I'm Trinity French. And we are your business coaches at Wired to Change. With the number two. We are here to help you get your business to the level you want it to be so you can enjoy the life of a small business owner. Mike Manning. Coach Mike. Oh, God. No, no, no. Oh, Mike no, no. <laughs> <laughs> no, I'm not wearing bike shorts and a whistle and a hat and a trucker oh, hat. Oh, you are. No. You totally are. <laughs> Never did, never will. It'll take a lot of your money to make me worth it. So. You know, I think what the clients want, the clients get. Can't argue with that. However, <laughs> can we call you Coach T? Can. Okay, yeah. Coach T. All right. And I'll wear some I'll wear some shorts and a whistle. I'm not afraid. Well, that's not part of our bed. Okay. <laughs> yeah, you want my face on a stinking bus I or want your bench. Face just on the <laughs> Big old side of a bus, absolutely. <laughs> Just driving down the road, but that's from previous podcasts. Anyways, I'm excited about today's topic. When aren't we excited? Always every Thursday. Every Thursday. Oh, yeah, I always look forward to Thursdays. And today is one of my favorite topics because it's all about what do you say, or <laughs> they say yes, yes, what do you do next? Meaning, uh, thank you. <laughs> a lot of times we put so much emphasis on how to get a client and all of the marketing and the branding. And, you know, our last podcast, we talked a lot about branding and, you know, what message you're sending out. But sometimes we forget that it's just important to have a process and a system for when you get a new client or a new customer. And what, what does that look like? We spend more time getting a client than we do keeping them yes. because we think, ah, they're here. Or if you're just a simple transaction, well, let's go into the real estate world. You're not a simple transaction, but you're a tra transaction. Those folks that just bought that house that you sold, they may not look to move again for six or seven years based on industry averages, mm -hmm. but you're still working hard to keep in touch with them because they could refer you. So a lot of times we think, oh, great, we finally got them. Let's move on to the next one. No, no, it's cheaper and easier to keep a client, people, I promise you. Yes, it is. So today we're going to talk about how do you onboard that new client? How do you handle that transaction or purchase or whatever it is in your industry? And there's definitely an art to it and a little bit of a science. We're there is. Into both. We are. And we just finished a mastermind group on this and we're getting ready to start a new one. It comes down, I think, a couple things. One is it comes down to communication. You have to talk through what they're looking for and what you can offer and how you communicate during the transaction, everything like that. And you, you just got to want to know their goals and how can we help and let's keep helping you. But you just please let them know you're happy that they're on board. If you do nothing else, just let them show them some love when they first, when they tell you, okay, yes, let's yep, move forward. I'm signing up. <laughs> and you know, there's nothing that drives me more crazy than a bad process when you want to buy something. For example, right now, <laughs> We're experiencing this. So for those of you um, that are just tuning in or haven't listened in a while, you may or may not know that right now, Scott, my lovely husband, and I are a one-car family. I've gotten pretty damn good at driving the Jeep, which is a six-speed. 
Um, but he really wants his Jeep back. And for the last three and a half weeks or so, we've been really trying hard to buy a car. <laughs> and they've been trying hard not to sell you that yes, car. Yes, <laughs> and it has been a really, I want to drop an F-bomb right now, yep. but it has been a really effing terrible experience. And I'm pretty sure that when this is all said and done, Scott is going to leave them a scathing review online mm. because it's been so terrible. It's funny to look at today's world versus 30 years ago. And there's a million things that have changed. In 30 years from now, they're going to look back at what we were doing today and laugh like, God, how'd you guys get along? Back in the day, most people had one car. Mm -hmm. And there was somebody at home all day long without a car. And you're like, okay. But it's driving Scott's, Scott nuts when you oh, go out, isn't it? It is. It's <laughs> making him crazy. The um, speakers went out in the Jeep, so there's no bass. And... When you're driving a Jeep with a soft top, you need that oh, yeah. base there to, to really make the sound system hum. And he had scheduled an appointment actually for tomorrow to take it into um, the sound store. And I had to make him move it to next week because I have appointments tomorrow. <laughs> oh. And we'll be out of the house all day. And poor guy, who's just the look of dejection on his face last night when I told him, he was like, oh. Because he's so excited to get his baby back. And you can't leave the car overnight anywhere because that would leave you two. Because I would both have of you no, yeah, we would have no vehicle. So, word of the wise. So, part of what happened um, with our e client experience is that nobody knows what's going on. Um, the people that initially started the process when we were trying to buy this car told us one thing, which is actually not the process. And... We're also trying to be a customer of Bank of America because that's who we're doing our loan through. And they have no freaking clue what's going on. So we're actually having a bad experience with both. And if it I, all yeah. could have been negated if somebody would have stepped up to the plate and tried to fix it instead of just telling us that, like, passing the buck. Yeah, they told the bank, oh, they they have this, and the bank goes, no, we're waiting on that, right? right? And then we go back to Carvana, and they're like, oh, no, we're, we're waiting on them, and back and forth, back and forth, back and forth, back and forth. So today we're going to hopefully mm. give some amazing advice and ideas to our lovely listeners as to how to not be a D-bag when you get yes. a client that wants to buy something from you. It's especially, e yeah. especially in this day and age, because with anything, you know, with real estate, there's a bazillion real estate agents out there with business coaches. There's a gazillion business coaches. I have other options of where I could buy a car from. And we're this close <laughs> to pulling the plug and going and buying a car elsewhere. And they're going to lose our money. And they're probably, they might care, but they're big national. Yeah, so they're they like, probably eh, we got no. until I go viral and just yeah. slaughter them online. <laughs> there you go. That's, that's so you. So you. So the first part that I think is so important, uh, and you mentioned this earlier, is when somebody says, yes, I want to work with you, I want to be a client of yours, is that you have some sort of onboarding meeting. And depending on your industry, it's going to look different. For some people, this can be as simple as, you know, if you're transaction-based, it might be, um, you know, you'll pay at the next window. 
mm-hmm. right? Where to pull up to if you're a store. Mm-hmm. Um, if it's somebody coming to the counter to purchase something and that person's becoming mm-hmm. a client of yours or a future consumer, um, we know that, you know, at that point, how you collect people's information can either rub them the wrong way or can really set the tone. So um, I know it drives me a little wackadoo when I walk into a boutique or I'm going shopping and I go to check out and they're like, what's your phone number? And I'm like, because I know that yeah. all they want to do is spam me and send me crap. So there's definitely a better way of getting that information or enticing me into it or, you know, asking if I want to be part of a loyalty program or something that's going to further that relationship and not make me want to run away. Yes. What's in it for you? Right. Um, And if you have a longer relationship with your clients, something like with us, with our coaching clients, our initial onboarding meeting is really important because we are digging in and asking the questions that are going to formulate the basis for our working relationship going forward, because it's something that lasts for, you know, a couple months, a year, sometimes multiple years. So we'd really need to lay a really good baseline of how we're going to communicate, what that relationship's going to look like, and which expectations on both parties. So our expectation of the client and their expectation of us. Yes, and we want to know more about, on these intake meetings, we want to know more about them than their business, because we'll get to the business. Mm -hmm. But some of our questions are, how do you like to be coached? How do you like to handle a sensitive subject? We have a client recently onboarded that gives longer answers than most people. And you ask them today, Okay, well, they brought it up first jokingly, and it gave us a great opening. Mm -hmm. But you said, all right, when we're to that point, we need you to stop talking. What should we say? And they said, just say enough. Or what your phrase was. (laughs) He said, said, say, WTF, why the long answer? Yeah, yeah. (laughs) But you just, your word was uh, uh, not off track, but we go. uh, Tangent. Yeah, Yeah. tangent, yeah. And then, so now we all know, yeah. and it's nothing personal, but we have an hour or so to work with you. And if the answer deserves 30 seconds, if we're two and a half minutes in, that's two minutes. We could have been doing something else because we got your answer in the first 30 seconds, but it's things like that, that we want to know. And one of our other questions is if you're going down that rabbit hole, how do we know? What can we do? So if you're chatty every Thursday morning, and then the next Thursday morning, you just sit there like a lump on a log. We know something's going wrong, but now we know how to deal with it. And we need to know that. And the other side of the coin is just setting a level of comfort between yourself and your client. Because at some point, there may be a hiccup because we're all human. So how do you express to your client that it's okay for them to come to you with that sort of feedback. Mm-hmm. Um, and this is where really discussing your roles and responsibilities comes into play. Um, this is important to me on the real estate side because I want my clients to know what things I'm going to be helping them with and what things I'm going to be outsourcing to other people. Mm-hmm. And that there actually are other people that some things are going to be outsourced to because 
Otherwise, they get a little confused throughout the process. You've given a number before of how many people are involved in a transaction of a house. Somewhere between 20 to 30, sometimes more. Yeah. And no, your realtor cannot do all of them, and they should tell right. you, I cannot do all of them. But I'm I'm the quarterback. I'm the yes. one calling the plays. I'm the one keeping everybody in communication. I'm the one making sure that everybody knows where they need to be, what they're doing, and really making sure that the communication is flowing between all parties. Mm-hmm. Now, I'm not because I'm not a home inspector. I'm mm-hmm. not going to go crawling around under that crawl space. I mean, I go into crawl spaces, but I'll tell you what, I do not go as far as Charlie Crow. Yes. You are the man. I tell you that I would probably pee my pants if I crawled in the crawl space and saw a snake or a spider. <laughs> Back in uh, in the day, my brother and I owned a pest control company, and we were always under crawl spaces, Ooh. like uh, home inspectors, and some of them were questionable. And people would ask, are you afraid of the snakes? And I simply said, only the ones I can't see. <laughs> Thankfully, I I ran across a bat once, uh, but he was napping hard, so I got past him, and he didn't even budge. So that was good, but that was my scariest moment. Oh, I, I have to yeah. call up my friend Brandon. He's an electrician, and <laughs> he was under a house, um, and he felt what he thought was a snake Ooh. underneath him, and he took his um, screwdriver and just started stabbing it, and then he crawled out of the crawl space, and then he went back in to make sure that the snake was dead. And it turns out it was just the vapor barrier that had been moving underneath him, yep. which he had then pretty much destroyed and had to repair for the client. Nice. <laughs> but, yeah. Got yeah. Got to know what you're dealing with. Oh, but if I, felt, if I thought if I felt yeah. a snake under me, I would be freaking out too. Yeah. It is important if you have a team member doing a specific task for a client, Introduce that client to that team member so they know, okay, for this, you're dealing with Mike. And then they, I meet the client, and then they know instead of calling Trinity, hey, uh, your guy, whoever it is, is supposed to call me back, but I haven't heard from him, just take you out of the, out of the loop there. Yeah. Now, you'll monitor things because I'll update you, but just it, introduce them to the person they're going to do the work with so they can form a relationship and understand how they can talk to each other. Yeah. Roles and responsibilities on both parties are very important. Um, sometimes when you are, you know, working with somebody, um, it's also important for the client to know what they're responsible for. And if there's anything that's going to be outstanding that they need to take care of. Um, and take the time now to talk through that and figure out a solution so that everybody's happy. And that there's no, you know, in business, surprises are usually not a good thing. I like to surprise my clients with like a fun closing gift or a note in the mail. Not, oh, I wasn't expecting this as part of the process. Yes. And I think that going back to um, one of my favorite sales training, Sandler Sales Solutions, um, they always talk about making sure that you set an upfront contract. And that's really what we're talking about is that your initial onboarding meeting is setting an upfront contract with your client as to what the um, process of them being a client of yours is going to look like. 
And it's important to develop that relationship because you want to be viewed as a team member going forward. Mm -hmm. Now, they may hire you. For example, last week's podcast, we had Wendy Harrington on with Beacon Creative Lab. And Wendy is a brand marketer and a copywriter. She would probably work with a client for a little while on a project. And they may decide to do another project or they may decide to take a break and they may come back in three months. But you want that level of communication and you want them to know we want to be part of your team. How can we help? And you want to treat it as a teamwork situation and let that because it's so much cheaper and easier to keep a new client. Because think about how many hours and how much money you have to spend to get a client. So why would you not use that same energy to keep that same client? Absolutely. Um, I also take this time when we're working with clients to um, let them know if there's anything in terms of um, availability or what, you know, um, like for my real estate clients, you know, I let them know that, hey, for the most part, after 7 p.m., I try to spend time with my husband unless we're negotiating something. I might not respond to your call or your text until the next day because, you know, at some point I do like to stop working, contrary it's, to popular belief. It's like back in the day when we were in sixth grade and we are at the grocery store like, there's Mrs. French. My t- she's my teacher. You yeah. shop? You eat? <laughs> and this is exactly why you should not look like shit when you go into Walmart. <laughs> It's, it's sixth grade. It really wouldn't have mattered. We're like, you go out in public. Yes. Oh, that you was so funny life. the first couple of times. You don't live behind yeah. this desk. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but yes, but again, that's part of the expectations. You want to talk to them how to communicate and what's your style. If you love emails, don't give me your phone number. I'll send you an email. Yeah, and especially right now, I've had some weird um, kind of realizations that sometimes people have ways that they want to communicate. I had a client that could only message me via Facebook. And for in the beginning, I was like, what, what is their deal? And then I finally asked and he was like, Oh, um, I can be on my computer at work, but I can't be on my phone. Oh, so he couldn't, he, they weren't allowed to have their phones at their desk, but they, they were allowed to have Facebook. Facebook. So <laughs> that was his workaround. I was like, okay, that totally makes sense while you only message me on Facebook. <laughs> oh, too funny. But those are the kind of things that but you can you flesh out and yes. need to know. Um, also, I love to find out from our clients what their idea of success looks like because with anything, ask follow-up questions mm-hmm. because – you might think that they need one thing and they're thinking that they need something completely different. Um, And a lot of times, you know, we tend to assume and, you know, they say about assuming Mm. makes an ass out of you and me, but it really does. does, And I think that that's one of the most important questions, whether it's in my real estate career, whether it's one of our coaching clients is finding out, okay, at the end of this, what does it look like? to you for this to have been a success. Yes. And a lot of times it's very different than what I would have predicted. Yes. And along the way, when you're looking at what their goals are, 
And what they're trying to accomplish is what's their budget. Mm -hmm. You have that with a house because you know basically what they're approved for. If they're approved for 285000 and they say, we want to look at that house, it's three sixty five, but it checks all the boxes. No, you can't afford that. You're not approved for that. So why spend time there? Why put in a bid in for that? <clears throat> uh, yeah, you're going to lose all your money. Yeah. <laughs> and plus the seller's agent may say, well, no, they're only approved for 285000 $285, Why are we going to accept their bid? Yeah, they wouldn't. Right. And so, they're going to waste all of our time. Exactly. So why even look at that? So know their budget. If their budget's $22,000, don't try to sell them the Ferrari. Their budget's 22000 But again, that comes Stick out in conversation. The yeah. Yeah. yeah, there you go. <laughs> this is also important because, as we all know, when you're working on a project with a client, that sometimes things can change. And I have had situations where you know, through the course of maybe coaching a client, originally they think that they need one thing and then it's discovered that actually they need something different. But it's good to go back and say, hey, originally when we first sat down and talked about this, this was what you defined as success. Has that changed? Because if it has, you need to um, address that and, and reconvene and get back on the same page. Otherwise, you're going to wind up with with frustrated client. The other thing that I find is super helpful, whether it's um, like going back to my example about buying a car, I really wish that um, Carvana had just had a very easily laid out roadmap for what the process looked like. And that's where we ran into issues is that nobody knew the freaking process. So if they don't know the process and I don't know the process, now I'm frustrated. Mm -hmm. So making sure that you have a plan, that everybody understands the process. And personally, I think that it's good to communicate that in multiple ways. So not everybody um, is going to pay attention to what you say. I'm a big fan mm -hmm. of the follow-up email. So per our conversation, just a little recap because they might not have caught everything that you talked about in that initial meeting. So you can really hone in on what the most important points were. In our, on our onboarding process, that's one of the things that we tell to our clients, you will get a follow-up email from each meeting outlining what we talked about. And then here's a list of the homework you get. And here's a list of the homework we get. So they know if we meet with them on Wednesday and it's Friday morning, Hey, uh, were you going to send an email? But you need to train them so they know what to expect. And going back to the communication point, not only do you have to figure out the best way to communicate, but how often are you going to? Mm -hmm. Do we want, if they say, just tell me when it's done or email me if I need to make a decision. Otherwise, I trust you. I know what you're doing. We're in agreement. I, you know, go do that. But find out how often they want to be communicated with. And do they really care about the process? They may not. They may trust you enough, like, just find me this house. Right. I want a cul-de-sac. I want this school district. I want a ranch. And here's my price. Just go find it. Yeah. <laughs> go have at it. Right. Yeah. Instead Buy it of, for me. Yeah. And just narrow it down to three. Yeah. And then call me. And that is part of what makes just everything, you know, it all comes down to communication. Mm -hmm. So asking the tough questions 
setting out a plan, letting people know in advance. Um, I'm a big proponent of if there's anything in your industry that could be a big hiccup, right? So um, we're building a house right now. And, and trying to find a car. And trying to find a car. Um, <laughs> and, you know, I feel like the there's certain things that the builder is doing really well. And there's other things that they, you know, they didn't do a very great job of explaining, hey, here's our next steps and here's the potential timeline for it. So when you're thinking through how you are going to um, lay that plan out with your client, there might be things that you just do on a day-to-day basis that seem like common sense, but you have to put yourself in your client's shoes that's not doing it every day. Mm-hmm. We have two BNI members that we talk about and two a lot. One of them is our second most loyal listener, who happens to be our second most loyal Scott listener, is Scott Sams, who mm-hmm. owns Dynamic Signs and Graphic. There you go. Well done. Yeah. And Scott's, I'm sure I'm speaking for him, and I'm absolutely correct on this, but I'm sure when he meets with a client and they lay out what they want, he'll he'll say, we'll have a, a, a red line to you or a sketch to you or samples to you by Monday. Beautiful. Now we've set everybody's expectations. The client's like, great, it's Wednesday morning, sweet. I don't have to worry about it. I look forward to it Monday, and then we'll talk there. And then when he sends it to the client, and the client says, everything's great except can you make this a little darker blue? And they send it back to Scott. Scott goes, we'll have that back to you tomorrow. And there it's back, and you've got that. Our other One of the other members in our chapter is Herschel Pleasant, who is a commercial realtor. And much like with you, it's, okay, what are you looking for? Okay, we're going to spend a day driving to these places you want. Does Wednesday work for you? Instead of me telling you, Trinity, we're going tomorrow, and you're like, mm, I can't go tomorrow. I really want to buy this, but I can't go tomorrow. So everybody's different that way. Some of that communication is ongoing, and some may be, I'll call you when I find a place for you to go see. Yeah, and really one of my most important questions that um, that I ask when working with anybody is what's their preferred time to be contacted? Um, what do they do for a living? Because... I've had clients that are, you know, um, doctors that work night shift. And I need to know that because mm-hmm. that makes the difference of whether or not I'm going to ping them at 7 a.m. if I know that they're just getting home from work and going to sleep. So there's a couple of those ancillary pieces of information that you need to put the whole puzzle together. Yes. And probably better to ask more questions up front to cover your ass than to limp along and, you know, make assumptions along the way. And then a couple other people in our BNI chapter, Kate Anders, who is a Mm -hmm. financial advisor, it's a long lead conversation. They sit and chat. They talk about plans. It could take a while. Versus Kayla, her and her husband own one team restoration, and that's a holy crap our house just burned down phone call. Right. And they and you have show to make up, a decision fast. Exactly. So they show up on the scene. Their, their onboarding is way different than our onboarding because mm-hmm. their onboarding is, did your family get out of the house? What, you know, here's the first step. What do we got to call the, 
that's their onboarding and their onboarding's on the fly. But if you have your process on paper or somewhere where you just pull it out, start checking the boxes, you're going to be way more efficient. And it's going back to one of the words you love to use. It's repeatable. Mm-hmm. And what I love about it is I don't have to remember it all. I just pull out the sheet. Yeah. So, so that's the client facing process, but then you have your internal process mm-hmm. of what you do after the fact. Um, one of the things that we do is we make sure that all of the client's information is updated and accurate in our, um, CRM, mm-hmm. um, for my real estate clients, it might be, you know, the next step is making sure that they get a handwritten note or if there's something we discuss, getting them a follow-up email. So your your onboarding um, isn't just that initial conversation, but also what what's your process after that client has said yes of the things that you need to do to get yourself organized, set up, and ready to rock and roll so you can bring on the next client. And if you're a small business owner and you want any life outside the office, you better bet you, you better get your team involved. So Trinity owns, owns a business; she cuts a deal, and I I'm, I work for her, and I take I'm in charge of X. Then you give that to me, and you get out of the way. But more importantly, it gives me some ownership. So I'm feeling like, man, she really trusts me. I like working here because she just turns a client over to me. But you have to be able to do that to survive, because if you're the if you're the point person, if you're the begin the opening of the funnel for everything, it's not some of these aren't going to end well, <laughs> <laughs> and there could be miscommunication because now she's telling me everything. I tell her back. She tells the client. Client goes, "Oh, sorry, I meant four. Can you go back and ask Mike if four works?" So now Trinity's got to hang up, call me back, and then you know it it just doesn't work that way. So you need to have that communication and delegation. And if you don't, you will you will never, ever be able to take a vacation because yeah. you'll always be in the middle of it. Yeah, delegation, delegate and elevate, um, yep. which is why one of our other masterminds that we just got done talking about systems and processes and this kind of plays into each other is that you should have some sort of repeatable system for how you bring your clients into the fold of your organization. Um And whether it's a checklist or, you know, we have a form that we have, you know, that we take them through Um, for my real estate clients, you know, if it's either a listing consultation or it's a buyer orientation. So I have, you know, that initial point of contact when they say, yep, I'm going to work with you. It's like, okay, here's all the next steps. Um, it's clearly outlined to them so they know what to, what to anticipate and also gives me the opportunity to, to make sure that, um, that we're not over promising and that their expectation is realistic with what we can deliver. And you do that by after you, after the seller or the buyer signs the paperwork to mm-hmm. work with you, then you do a great job of onboarding your team. Right. It's as important, if not kind of more, yeah. because otherwise it's a crappy experience and yep. they may leave you or never refer you. But if you onboard your team, now they know what's going on. They know what to expect. They can look out for things. We talked about CRMs a couple of weeks mm-hmm. ago. 
then they can make the the updates in the system instead of calling you, hey, Trinity, can you put, they need this now, or they, here, can you upload this? No, no, no. Onboard your staff after you onboard your client, or while you're onboarding your client, and it's going to be a whole lot smoother. The client will notice it. The staff will love it, and your transaction will be smoother, and then it gives you a chance to maybe upsell them on something else, mm-hmm. or more importantly, they'll refer you. So, Mike, what do we have in the pipeline? What's coming up for people to look out for? We have mastermind groups, and we have a new program coming up. It's called Monetize Your Message. Ooh. And ah. there you go. Most people are uncomfortable speaking in public. Most of us did at one time do a horrible elevator pitch. We are here to help with that. It's a four-week class. Week one is learning the elements of a story. How do you craft a story? Because if people are going to buy you, it's usually going to come from a story from somebody else, a referral partner. And then week two is your elevator pitch. Week three comes right into your wheelhouse of networking is how to prepare, how to find the event, how to prepare for the event, what do you do at the event, and then how do you follow up at the event. There's a lot of people that network, but there's very few people approach it like you do in, well, I got to think about that before I go there. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you do. <laughs> and then the last one is we'll do two-minute videos with everything we've learned, how to tell the story, how to say it, how to get your message across. Now we're going to make videos to put on on social media. So it is a working class. It's a four-week master class, and you'll be able to go on, or by the time this comes out, you'll be able to go on our website and learn about it and sign up for it. But it's important. It's a big part of your your, so, your sales and marketing plan. You, you're in public, whether you're in person or on Zoom, you got to be able to connect. You got to be able to tell your story. Awesome. And if you or somebody you know wants to check that out, head out to our website, www.wiredtochange.com with the number two. <laughs> Don't forget that. If I haven't said it enough, they always say, you know, you've said it enough when people are mocking you. So mockers be darned. Don't forget. I still two. chuckle when I, when somebody says, hey, what's the name of your company or what's your email address? I tell them and I say, wired to change with the, the number, number two. two. And I always <laughs> chuckle because you have to. But we, we intentionally did it that way because yep. there's two of us. We're helping people that want or, that are wired correctly to change because we all have to. But it's funny sometimes when you have to say the, the number two. We can never bring another coach on or it would have to be wired three change. Ooh, that would be weird. Oh, we'd have to buy up all those web domain oh. names and everything. I think well, I think we can figure out a way to make yeah, it work. Wired Eleven Chain. What does that mean? <laughs> so, but yes, go to our website, check everything out, and uh, go check out uh, some of our earlier podcasts. And of course, if you have not already, like rate, review, subscribe. The way that we are able to continue providing this amazing and valuable content for you is for you to get the message out there and go share us with others. We are the gift that keeps on giving. Every week we keep on giving. Yes, we do. My name is Mike Manning. And I'm Trinity French. And we'll see you next time on our Wired to Change podcast.